know I talk about fire a lot and burning things on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Hello, everybody. Hello. To Two Coins Culture with Aaron Hammond and Katie Seba. We are, we're, we're here. We're producing more for you about the perks of less because we love it because we love it. We are learning daily the practical aspects, the huge benefits of living simply and of living more intentionally and thereby living more abundantly because that's what happens. Yes. I've learned, I've done a lot since we started this and we actually only intended this to be one thing. Like we were just going to do this one time. Just the one. And here we are. Whoopsies. Whoops. Yeah, no, but it's been great. I don't know if I told you this. I I decreased my closet by half. Did I tell you this? Half? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because last time I told you I was going to do that um, Project 333. Yes. Well, okay. So Courtney Carver, who did the Project 333, was just like a random number she picked. Yeah. (laughs) Because she wanted it to be memorable. So she was like, you can pick whatever number. So I was like 50, but I'm also kind of in this transitory time with, with just having had a baby and nursing and season seasonal stuff too. Yeah. 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 So I didn't give myself a number. I was just like, if I can get, like, I had a huge tub and I thought if I can get that filled and some like serious empty space in my closet, good enough. So I would, if I had to guess though, I would say I probably have around 80 items shoes, um, pants, uh, and this is like including undergarments, like, yeah, like it was, I was impressed with myself and, and I packed it up. I was like, I'm not giving this, packed it up, put it in my guest room in this huge tub. And there has only been, I've noticed like, as I'm getting dressed, there's only a few items that I'm like, Oh, I need to go grab that. Cause I actually did use that. And one was a tank top. Like it, you know, there was just certain things where I was like, I actually wore that more than I thought I did. And so, but, and then there's just some stuff I like that I'm like, I got to make sure to take that out before I donate everything else. Anyway, it's really exciting. So this podcast is like helping me because I'm like, well, you know what, if I'm doing a podcast on like living with less, I probably should actually like try to live with less. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So that's, like a lovely segue sometimes for us like we perceive the benefits of living with less even if we're not actively doing it we know the good that will come right from it but you know who can't see that is our kids ah uh, yeah mm-hmm. all right so that's that's the plan for this episode is we're going to cover purging with kids and no matter how many children you have we'll talk through like what's hard about it what are the benefits of it and then a four-step process that i came up with to give it a good solid go and in a way that is not going to be this tug of war or emotionally draining for both child and parent right yes so i need this right now i think a lot of parents need this right now because i i have actually talked to two different parents in the last two days who are like, Christmas is coming and I'm starting to freak out because there's a so much stuff in our house and I'm having a really hard time 
wanting to be generous with my kids, knowing more stuff is going to come in. Isn't that crazy? Especially no matter how large your home is, sometimes I think we were like, oh, we're going to add more to this, like more, more stuff is going to come in. Right. Okay. And that's, that's just draining as a parent. Not only are we shelling out cash for whatever it is that we're going to wrap for our children, right. but then we're not even necessarily looking forward to them having it. Yeah. yeah. Which seems so like unhealthy, you know, yeah, it does. Like, I'm buy this thing for you that I'm going to have to micromanage and I'm going to end up resenting you and myself and the thing because you have it. And That's then, you know, even though at the time of recording, like Christmas is coming up, but this also applies for birthdays, any other right. gift giving opportunities that you have. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a lot. It's right. a lot. So Erin, will you read our quote for tonight? Yes. Give me one second. Okay. So these really hit home. They are not as long as the last one, if you caught our last one. So you can just you can just chill out for like literally five seconds. All right. The first one is from St. Teresa of Avila. All she said was, thank God for the things I do not own. Amen. Okay. The other one is don't own so much clutter that you will be relieved to see your house catch fire. And that's by Wendell Berry who's an author and like farm guy, all about like society and culture. I have had that feeling where I'm, well, you know, the game I play. Yeah, I love that game. You want to recap for those of us just joining now, episode three? Okay. Re oh, recap of what? Of my game? Your I game. Play. Okay, yeah. the game I play is, I call it fire and flood. So as I'm going through things, because I can't just go, oh, I don't need that. I have to like ask myself questions like, if this were damaged in a fire or a flood, would I be really sad? And what I find is there's not a lot in my home that is um, irreplaceable. Most everything can be replaced. Mm -hmm. And most everything, because we live where we live, I can get within 10 minutes if I needed it to. Yeah. Maybe right. too. Yeah. So like, that's where I have to go with it. Some people can just throw things in boxes and cart it down to wherever they cart it. I cannot do that. I have to yeah. play like tragic, catastrophic games with myself. <laughs> okay. So we need to do some sort of conversation about the temperaments. Yeah. Because sure. you and I both love the temperaments. You're melancholic. And then mm -hmm. what else? I was kind of like choleric. Ooh, right. She would think would make it easy for me to be just like chopping block, like stuff. But my melancholy. Not if you're predominantly melancholic. Yeah, no. Mm -mm. And I am sanguine phlegmatic. Mm. That means that I'm like. Whatever. I got a short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I laser focus. I'm like, we're cleaning everything. No, it's just yeah. like it's funny that you put yourself in a place of like horrific tragedy. If the house were to burn down, could I get this back? You know, 
yeah it's just for me I'm like oh I haven't even thought about that cup yeah get rid of it it's fine I know yeah. it's, <laughs> so. it's that's why we make such a good team you like balance me out where you're like you don't need yeah you know, I mean you can do that but like <laughs> ah, you know you do I do love that that concept though the don't own so much clutter so if your house were to burn down you'd be like oh thank god you know so let's whittle it down to maybe just an office or a certain room if this given space of yours were to be destroyed would you be relieved would you yeah. be glad i know that in the past there have been spaces of mine that i thought you know what would be easier than going through this yeah. stuff a bomb and a match yeah right i've been a part so this was something interesting that you and i talked about is like how much i um read and and like imbibe minimalism stuff for years i've done this i i'm even a part of a couple like minimalist groups and have been for years on facebook um so one of the things that i noticed as being part of these groups a couple times there will be certain women that will say things like our house burnt down in 2010 and it was the best thing that ever happened to us. Like, of course it was like, we were, you know, like we lost all of our stuff, but like, that was the good thing. Like we all made it out. There was no other tragedy except for we lost all our stuff. But what we found was after we kind of like went over that hump of like, everything's gone. We actually like started from scratch and all of us were happier. And that, I mean, I've read that twice and not from the same woman. And I've been like, what? It's real. What? You know, provided okay. everyone's good, you know. Provided. Yeah. But, and it's they were, but like, they were happier because they were like, then we, we actually realized like, I don't need it. I didn't, I, I don't need it. I didn't need it. My boss at my very first job out of college. Something happened, tragedy struck, their home was destroyed somehow, I suspect by fire. She and her husband and their son were just fine. They had to live with friends for a few months. Mm -hmm. And she told me I had two pairs of shoes and a handful of clothes that I could wear to work and pajamas. My husband and I were happier we became so much closer in our marriage. Our son was happier. Gradually, we built our life back up, materially speaking. She was like, but those were the happiest days of our whole life together. And it, what's interesting about that is that a lot of people talk about how in impoverished areas, countries, regions, whatever, those people are happier. We've yeah. all heard that. Yeah. What we don't hear about nearly as often are the people in first world countries who are materially deprived suddenly in some way, right? Or materially deprived by choice, deprived by choice. And the joy that comes from that. Mm -hmm. We don't hear about that concept nearly as much. Right. It, it, I don't know. It's just interesting. And so hearing that story from my boss back when I was, you know, a 22 year old child uh, was 
fascinating to me. And I think it's so validating. Those were some of my first thoughts around pursuing simplicity, pursuing mm-hmm. a life with less materially speaking and temporally speaking, because it's, oh, there's so much more to life in that way. Right. Yeah. It is really interesting. And I, I would say my experience was different in, in that, like when I was in my early twenties, I didn't have any, like people weren't talking about minimalism or living with less. Like it just, that wasn't on the table for conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, but my, my, me, I remember between the ages of like 20 and 25, I lived in several different States. And, um, so I traveled lightly and I remember one bedroom in one particular apartment that I had with a friend, I didn't have much with me and I just had white walls. I had a white, the typical like minimal, like my, my bedroom was minimalist unintentionally, but I remember loving going into my bedroom, like so peaceful in here. I had a plant. I had my bedspread, mm-hmm. I had my dresser, I had a few clothing items and like a few books that I had with me because I was living in a different state at the time. And the rest of my stuff was in storage, but I never, I wasn't like, I got to keep that stuff in storage because it's my stuff. That wasn't my mentality at all. And um, so my early, my early adulthood, I was very like, whatever, like I would have a garage sale and okay. And or donate stuff. Like I didn't have any issues getting rid of stuff. Yeah. And and not because I heard stories or I was on some mission to live with less. I just, I don't know what it was. I don't know, even know why, you know, grace, you know, it was, I think it was cause yeah. Cause of what I was doing at the time. But, um, but now I'm like, gosh, if I could get back to that, that's, I, I just really am like, that was really lovely. I really liked that bedroom. Oh, oh my gosh. It's, it's phenomenal walking into a room that has little visual imposition. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I work with a new client with simplifying their lives, their material possessions, one of the first things I tell them is that I come as a... Uh, simplicity convert Mm. that as a kid I was a total pack rat I kept everything and it was it wasn't until I was an adult that simplicity became not just more appealing but truly life-giving for me and because when I was a kid I remember and maybe you've had this experience too where um my my parents would come in, my mom really, with a bag. Here, fill it, or she would start filling it. Ah! Terrifying, terrifying. I'd be like, uh, uh, and I'd be like making mad grabs, trying to hide stuff. Maybe she won't see, you know? And, and it's really hard to whittle possessions down with kids, especially, yeah. you know, I, I don't want to sound, I don't know, trite, but I, you know, kids nowadays, you know, whatever their marketing toward children is relentless. Yeah, it really is. And kids want, they want more, they want more screens. They want more stuff. They want more, 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 more. 
because it's it's a dopamine hit yeah right it satisfies this for a little bit and then what happens what happens a week after christmas and they've gotten the new thing a week after christmas it's like just part of the pile it's just part of the broken. stuff or broken, broken. You would have think we would have gotten that clue. That happened when our oldest was three. We got him a Buzz Lightyear because that oh. was the thing, right? So he got yeah. this Buzz Lightyear, literally had it for an hour. He wasn't even being rough with it. My husband and I were sitting there with him. The arm, he like bent the arm, fell off. Ah, uh, I mean, wah, wah, Christmas morning, you know. <laughs> Merry Christmas, buddy. Merry Christmas, buddy. And I mean, it's taken us a while to like come around to be like, no plastic stuff. We rarely get our kids plastic stuff because it's yeah. expensive. Or in a box. Right. So we choose different things. But yeah, like what you were saying, it's just uh, like we just got the the Christmas catalogs. Like we don't have normal TV. So our kids don't see a lot of ads or whatever. But weirdly, one of the homeschool um organizations that I order curriculum from, they send out a Christmas catalog that has like a lot of really nice stuff in it, but also has its fair amount of like, why, why that's not, that's not a learning item. Like what in the world, you know, that's just junk. But anyway, so like, I don't know what was wrong with me this year because it, sometimes in the past I've hidden those because when we oh, yeah. asked our kids this year, would you make your Christmas list? It was all stuff from these magazines. And we yeah. were like, you never wanted that until you saw it, you know, but that's uh -huh. like who you are as a person. Like we know our kids. And so we're like, that's not, I've never heard you talk about wanting anything even remotely close to that thing. It's just yeah, like, right. dumb magazine, you know, like get the magazines out. Flashy right in front of you. And you're like, oh, yeah, the shiny penny. And I understand it because I'm the same way. Like if I'm scrolling through stuff, I'm like, oh. I didn't know I needed that, but I think I need that, you yeah, know, right. like right. I already have one, but this one's newer and I like the color better. And yeah. So anyway, I took us kind of on a, a rabbit trail, but yeah, like getting rid of stuff with kids and it is, it's a trial for me. So please talk us through, like, what do we do? Well, it's a different, it's a different ball game with kids because they are, especially with little, little children, mm -hmm. maybe they're not yet reasonable, right? Right. Um, or they are sentimental. I was sentimental about stinking everything as a yeah. child. I was I mean, too. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Everything was important. Everything had meaning and to be deprived of something that I hadn't glanced at in 18 months but it was mine like it's mine it's mine and if it's mine then it's like part of me so the idea of whittling down my possessions of donating stuffed animals that very much felt like my identity being taken away mm -hmm. i would not of course i would not have put it that way when i was a kid i wouldn't have been able to say to my mom you don't understand. I'm attached to who I am to these stuffed animals, but that was absolutely the case. I, I felt like if I am going to be parted with this thing, then I am going to be less than who I am. I'm not going to be as happy. And I, I, I don't know what to do to it. So 
that a challenge that comes with getting rid of stuff with kids is that we as parents we like seeing them happy i love giving my children gifts mm-hmm. i love when i just nail it like what you talked about i think in episode 1 yeah you and kurt had that awesome christmas yeah i love it when i nail it with my kids and yeah. i'm like mm, this is exactly what you wanted you're going to love it and you're going to enjoy it for a good long time. That's going to be awesome. So we love seeing our kids happy. And then sometimes they will be overly attached to their stuff. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll be overly attached to their stuff. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about that actually. Yeah. Yeah. We can get to that, but that's a big question I have. (laughs) Okay. So case in point, when I, I have three sons first, and then a little girl. And when I tell you, I begged the Lord for that little girl. It was with the most heartfelt supplication. So, so very earnest. And we found out we were expecting a couple months later, a few months later, we found out it was a girl. I was like, holy cow, we don't even make girls. This is amazing. And right away, I was just on Pinterest, like saving ideas of things I could like dress my little girl in, give my little girl like ideas for her room, whatever. And among all of these ideas, I found this adorable rag doll, ordered the overpriced rag doll that was honestly, I, I still stinking love this thing. And the rag doll came and my daughter owned this thing when she was four months in utero she hadn't even been she had five months left to bake before she could even look at this thing and the ultrasound tech could have been wrong (laughs) (laughs) and and so we call this thing molly doll molly doll is this this rag doll and a year ago or so, two years ago, my daughter went down to her friend's house with Molly doll. And I thought, oh, that's so cute. Like, she's going to take Molly doll down and play. And she came home and she's so proud of herself because my daughter is my, my in-home minimalist mm-hmm. and she is detached. Praise God. I love it about her. And she goes, oh, I gave Molly doll to my friend. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, back. <laughs> okay. Cause, um, Molly doll is made out of my hopes and dreams. Okay. <laughs> so not, we will, we will not be. And it, I, her friend, I was very tight with her friend's mom and I texted her. I said, listen, Jane might be okay parting with Molly doll, but I'm not. So <laughs> if you could send that right back up, that would be great. Oh, because I have sentimental attachment to this like stuffed doll, this rag doll who's so cute, Mm -hmm. but that's another hindrance. We get attached to our kids' stuff, our our kids' clothes. Well, I remember when he was so little and he could wear this t-shirt. Okay. But really when, when we're practicing living simply, and it becomes more and more of a habit, things fall into their right order in terms of priority. And we begin to see 
that things are things and they're meant to serve. Yeah, I was just thinking about um, this just, you know, because this is what you and I've been talking about, about a lot lately. Um, and I've heard it said, maybe, maybe from you, that getting rid of stuff is like a muscle. It's like when you start exercising yeah. after not exercising for a long time, it hurts and your muscles are sore and you're like, ah, I hate feeling this way. And it's, it can be emotionally taxing even, you know, in, in both analogies, like you, you can just wear yourself out trying to do this thing that you know is good and you know like it's better to be fit than not fit it's better probably to have less stuff in your house than than have all the stuff but that in the meantime is really it's a it's like a, a big mental game and you just have to keep at it and strengthen that muscle. So what where I would go wrong a lot of the times is I would get fed up with like the stuff. And then I would ask my husband, I need you to just like watch the kids so I can have like four or five hours to go through all the things. And then I would come to wherever I kept like kids clothes, which was, is that's always like the hardest area of stuff to get rid of for me. Um, and I would expect to get through this after four or five hours. And like my first mistake years ago was I, because I'm like melancholic I and sad music kind of like, like crying does it for me, but it also like, isn't helpful when you're trying to get rid of sentimental stuff. So hence the punk rock music that I currently listen to when I'm decluttering. So yeah. I, you know, I just have to like, getting that like I'm listening to rancid that's what we're listening to we're not listening to Sarah McLaughlin you know so so that was the big thing it's like a muscle and then the other thing is um is I just had to recognize that this is more about like love this is more about doing this because I love the people that I'm with and that I was prioritizing the stuff rather than my relationships with the people. And that's a big slice of humble pie. Like I actually am so like, so in love with this thing that I'm willing to spend four or five hours with it rather than those four or five hours with my children who are all running around outside with their dad on a Saturday, I'm here listening to music I don't actually really like so I can get through bags of clothes that nobody wears anymore and that maybe I don't even like. They just happened to wear them when they were little. It's bizarre, you know, but you come to this point where you're like, I, you know, and so I've started doing the whole like, it's, it's not every week and it's not every day but it's more frequent than the once a year freak out I have where I'm like, oh my goodness, we just have too much stuff in this house. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's really like, that's just how I have to do it now. It's a lifestyle. It's not a yeah. once a year where everybody's worried that mom's going to come in and confiscate the things and because she's mad and overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a reactive thing. This is a a life. It's a lifestyle and it's a a joyful lifestyle at that, which is a total 180. Mm -hmm. 
it doesn't living simply doesn't have to be reactive it could be a very intentional pursuit and right. one that is good and happy and it's it's hard to overcome ourselves and our attachments to the stuff or to the memory that they carry but really i mean it's it's just stuff you know and what's so good to do as we can is to teach our children to detach from things i remember and i i think i told this story in episode one so i'll just briefly touch on it um there was a time when i was trying to help my son get rid of a toy and he he hadn't seen it in forever and i said listen you don't play with it anymore and he said but i like it and i thought well that's not even super true i didn't share that with him because it was covered in dust and i knew it had gone neglected he didn't he didn't even think about it and i told him said, why can't i ever get you to like come eat lunch do your homework or scrub a dish or even play outside why can't i get you to do anything because you're playing with legos man you love Legos. You've graduated. Right. This was fun, but now you have more fun with this. And that's great. That's great. So I was showing him like, look, you do this now. This is for the four-year-old you. And now you have this new activity that you do. And, and isn't this good? Don't you like it? Yes. And it, and so that was a way that I, not just with this one particular son, but with all of my kids, I've tried molding their understanding to a, a growth mindset that this thing was good for a time. This was useful. Great. We don't really use it anymore. So it's time to let someone else be blessed. Maybe we can bless somebody else with this thing. Yeah. And they will appreciate it more i that is such an important question really as the parent to ask ourselves because children don't they can't wrap their minds around like oh maybe someone would be more grateful for this uh, no they don't understand that at all they don't they don't get it it's it's too abstract especially when you're working with really young ones but it's interesting though, because like, as you were telling that story, when you said the four-year-old you, I recently, so I told you about my tub of elephants. Did yeah. I tell you about the, in the tub of elephants, there was this stuffed pink rabbit. Did I tell you about the stuffed pink rabbit? I don't think so. No. So I had a four-year-old moment, me. So, so in my elephants that my parents brought down that I hadn't seen in like three decades, basically, yeah. uh, it was still in my parents' basement. Anyway, so they bring down this tub. I'm going through all of my elephants, but there was this pink stuffed rabbit. And immediately I'm like wafted with this, all these memories of, I got this rabbit from my dad. My dad rarely traveled for work because he's a farmer, but I don't know where he'd went, where he'd gone. Cause I was a young girl, like five, six years old, maybe. And he went to the East coast um, my mom told me that detail because I didn't even know where he went. But all I knew is when he came back, I got this pink stuffed rabbit. It was battery operated and it had like this little tune when you would turn it on and its ears would do this like thing, right? So this rabbit was in my tub of of um, 
elephants. And I'm like, I got this from my dad. Now I've received a lot of gifts from my dad, um, but none as a child. Like they were always from my dad and my mom, but that was solely from my dad because he thought of me. And so when I see this as an adult and I have a very special relationship with my dad and I was like, but it's all moldy because like my parents' basement flooded a few years ago and everybody else in their area's basements flooded. Like, like it was all kind of like mildewy and moldy. My husband and I put batteries in and like for two seconds, it was like, dun, 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 dun. and then it started to play, play the creepy like music. The ears were like, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't keep this thing. I know I can't keep this thing, but I was like, I found myself even one day, I was like, I'm going to take it to the giveaway room you know, just like, I know it belongs in the trash, but I'm just going to take it to the giveaway room. And I'm walking down, like holding this pink rabbit. And then I brought it back up and set it on my kitchen counter. Anyway, so I understand that four-year-old because that four-year-old still kind of lives inside of me with stuff. I finally, one day was like, I'm going to just cut off, cut off a rabbit's foot and maybe make a keychain out of it. Cause I, and then I was like, no, Aaron, you just your dad is still alive. He's given you many. It's okay. Like you can throw this thing away. It's all right. It's all right. So I threw it away. I did it in the trash and like it got nasty right away because of all the stuff that was in the trash. And so I was like, I can't pull it out now, but. Okay. So how how, how do you feel about that a few days later? I feel fine. I feel totally fine. It was the act of like, like once I, once it was in the trash, I was like, what was the big, why did, why was I, what was the problem? Right. Right. There was no problem. It was the, like my heart got involved for a minute and mm-hmm. I had to like talk myself off the, the bunny rabbit ledge. I even said to my husband, I'm like, I'm not going to set this on our bed. I promise. Like it's not going on our bed, <laughs> but I, but so so that just to me was like, oh if I, if I'm having this much of an issue with this thing that was special, very special to me at one point, but that I had forgotten about for 30 years, no more than that, that like when I'm going through my stuff with my kids and they're freaking out about their Dixie cup that they colored on and there's like three random rocks and an old rusty washer in it. And I'm like, that looks like it needs to go in the trash. And they're like, but I, it's my, you know, I, it made me more compassionate towards the whole process of yeah. it. Well, I've always been, I've grown in my compassion with my kids, but it, it reminded me of, we might be looking at the same object but we're seeing two different things to them, a treasure and it's precious. And to me, it's junk. Yep. Cause I'm not attached to all of their stuff. And so what's, what's interesting to your experience with the rabbit is that a lot of people would stop at my dad gave this to me, even adults, right? My dad gave this to me. So I'll keep it. And it, they would allow it to become a representation of the relationship with their father. It's not, it is something that contributed Mm -hmm. toward 
your relationship with your father, especially I mean, if gift giving is a love language, right? So it's not the relationship, right. but it was a contribution toward it. So it worked toward forging a bond right. and the bond is there. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't, it doesn't need the rabbit anymore because it's there. Right. So and, and of course, again, you can't explain that to a child, but for those of us as adults who encounter those things from our childhoods that we haven't seen in forever and we're like, oh, well, no, this, this is mine because it, the smells, the feel, I mean, my son has my favorite teddy bear from 30 years ago. And now when I, I see it pop up occasionally, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this guy. And I, I, just the feel of him, how I gave him a haircut that one day I was homesick from school, just all these, all these little things, they come up and I remember, and am I glad this thing is around? Sure. Yeah. Right. But I would, I would also be okay if he weren't, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so when we're getting rid of things, we, what's so helpful for for ourselves, parting with things that we haven't thought about in forever, especially from our childhoods, or helping our children in getting rid of things. What's so helpful is focusing on experiences. Yeah. So this is so great. They do you remember this? Okay. Well, getting rid of the thing doesn't get rid of the memory. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine in Louisiana, she was helping her mother-in-law who was a legit hoarder very tidy hoarder very orderly hoarder but a hoarder and uh the mother-in-law said oh this was my very very first purse that I got from this occasion and I took to the movie theater with me and she had all these memories wrapped up in this thing and my friend said okay let's get rid of it yeah. And mother-in-law just what? And crazy. she explained uh-uh. getting rid of that doesn't erase it doesn't erase your memory. It doesn't erase your memory. It's fine. You can you've gone on living without using this purse. Right. Let's let's carry on, you know. Right. And there are a million benefits to living simply for anyone but especially children whose brains are still forming, whose, whose hearts are so tender, whose minds are so tender, living simply for them, having fewer toys. There are so many benefits to having fewer toys. Y'all don't rush out and just get your kids a bunch of dopamine hits for Christmas, okay? Because you will spend your hard-earned money on these things that will satisfy your children for 20 minutes or two days or a week, whatever it is, but it will be a short span of time. Right. And make sure it's not your dopamine hit that is fueling the shopping spree. Right. Well, it goes back to the identity thing, doesn't it? Like I'm a good parent. Like you said at the beginning of this podcast. And like we said in our last podcast, if you, if you have this identity of like, I'm a good parent because I provide this and this and this and this for my kids and I like to see my kids happy. And I think this thing will make them happy. And we forget 
you've mentioned this before, we forget that really at the end of our day, the day, our kids want us. They want to be with us. I actually read a study recently that, and and I I knew this, but you know how you read stuff and you're like, oh yes, it just reminds you of what you already knew. But yeah. this podcast was, or this um, article was like, if your kids, um, if you play with your kids, that's what makes them happy. Like they, they, kids across the board say they are happiest when their parents play with them. Mm. And for me, that's challenging because I have been in my adult life long enough that I know how to play as an adult, but I don't know how to play as a kid. So like I used to play Barbies all the time. And now when I have my girls, all four of them play Barbies every day. And um, when they asked me to play, my immediate thought is no. And the other day I was like, used to do this for a living. Like when I was a kid, I did this for a living. Yeah. Certainly it's in there somewhere. It's in there somewhere. It's got to be like riding a bike, right? Like, and it was like the minute I just let myself, like, you don't need to worry about the laundry, whatever. And they were laughing so hard because I was just being ridiculous with the Barbie. Like, why is my arm always like this? Everything I do, you know, just like, and they were, they just thought that was hysterical. Like, come on. Oh, it looks like somebody chewed my hand off, but let's, it's okay. Cause I have this amazing purse. Anyway, they just, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Cause like, as an adult, you're looking at these like defunct dolls, like part of my neck is broken off and you know, <laughs> so, but it wasn't about the Barbies. It was about, I was there with them and they had a really oh. good, that. and, and so did I. Yeah. And so, so it's like, okay, so maybe we only have three board games total, or maybe we only have, you know, a few Barbies or a couple stuffed animals. But if I would play with them, which I would actually have more time to do if I had less stuff, that's gold. That's where it's at. Yeah, totally. You know, some of my favorite memories of my dad were when he played Crazy Eights with me. Mm -hmm. And he would, he would totally annihilate me. And I would have the time of my life. Yes. And it was just, it was just so, it was so fun. So it's, it is never about just the stuff, but really the experience of connecting with a person. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, it's that connection piece is everything, not just for kids, but for people. Oh you yeah. Know, you can yeah. throw stuff or money at any problem and it might be a nice band-aid but will it actually tend to a person's heart? And I'm not, not really, not really. Cause stuff is meaningless right. without right. the connection behind it. Right. Yeah. So, well, and we know this, we know this because when you receive something from somebody you don't have a connection with, you're like, why did they give me that? Or, I don't even want this candle. I don't even want this. So it's, it's, intricately tied to the giver and the receiver and their relationship. And, and then, yeah. And then what you do, like, I don't have any problem getting rid of there, like, there's certain things I don't have any problem getting rid of. Um, just another little anecdotal story. I hope she's watching cause I don't have contact with her. Uh, not for, not because there was any falling out or anything, but a friend of mine from high school, I was going through a really difficult time. And I was in high school when we wrote notes, like 
like the folded fun folded. and I was so going fancy. through a really difficult time my senior year and I I kept it's probably a good thing they're all gone now but I kept almost every single note I ever received in high school I kept all of them so I don't know probably seven years ago I went through all these notes and was reading and it was just some of them were so funny but I had this one friend in high school during this difficult time that wrote me the sweetest notes and I remember her passing them to me in school and and so I purged all the notes except for the ones from her so I had this little gallon baggie of like these notes from her because she would she was so encouraging and it was so unlike what I think like like a 17 year old wrote me those notes you know and she was so encouraging it was just like it was it was really beautiful to read them as an adult just how, what a light they were to me and then about three years ago I was like you know I will never forget that but I don't need the notes I don't need them because I don't read them but I remember what they did to my soul. Mm. You know, like I just, they're like imprinted on my heart and my soul. And so I was able to part with them. I don't know if it's because like when I see her in my hometown, we are immediately like, <laughs> yeah, like we haven't like consistently maintained our friendship. So, but it's like, I don't know if that's why it was easier because I don't talk to her daily or yearly even um but yeah I mean I think that's just an attestation to like it's not really like you don't need the thing to have like the I remember like that was so lovely you know mm -hmm. to, to be encouraged in that way because the immaterial love is there the love remains the oh. connection remains well, and the ripple effect of what she did or the ripple effect of what your dad did in that moment of playing, it wouldn't matter if you still had the same deck of crazy eight cards. Doesn't matter. I do. You know. Oh, do you? <laughs> That's really sweet, Katie. I do. I do. I'm actually, I'm actually honestly very surprised that you have that. I'm surprised. Yeah, I do. There's a one I mean I asked him to play cards with me a million times but there was one time in particular I was just bored I was 13 I was just kind of like wandering around the house and I was like hey dad he was at his desk probably in the middle of something so do you want to play crazy ace and he went yeah and I said could we play with your deck and he had this deck of cards that uh, was old worn and they were monogrammed and to play with this deck was special Mm -hmm. So and the way we played Crazy Eights, we played to a hundred. Um, and he, it was like a he. If I were to make a baseball analogy, he pitched a no hitter. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a baseball person. I don't know. What oh God. Means. Okay. Well, um, <laughs> the it was a hundred to zero, and he. <laughs> Dad, hundred. <laughs> no, actually, when you have points in Crazy Eights, it's bad. So oh. I had a hundred. He had zero. Okay. And I was like, wow, like he just mopped the floor with me. Cool. But we had the best time. And I appreciated that he just, even now in hindsight, I don't know what he was doing, but he stopped and he played cards with me for probably an hour. 
yeah. before we were done. Mm-hmm. And a couple of years ago, we got a puppy. She chewed up one of the cards. So I can't play with that deck anymore. Sure. But I mean, yeah, son of a gun. You bet oh, I have it. I you love know. that you have it. Yeah. I really love that you have that deck. Yeah. I'm I mean, I'm not like <laughs> void of sentimentality. Yeah. No, but I'm just kind of surprised that even he had that deck, you know, so that when when it was time for you guys to take what you wanted and mm-hmm. what you had to raise, that he even had that. Yeah. Maybe it was yeah. just special to him. Who knows? Oh, oh, it totally was. It totally was. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I mean, don't you feel though, like hypothetically, if you were not to have that deck, you still have that amazing. Absolutely. Because how many other times did we play, you know, just thousands over the course of my life. And it was great. Like we, this was our family game and all of us were very, very good at it. It it was awesome. So however we played with whatever deck and wherever we were, it was really about just hanging out and being together. Yeah. Um, and so I think if parents were to understand more concretely that the stuff isn't nearly as important as the connection, especially that connection associated with the thing, you know, the experience associated with the thing, that that is the real gift. Like, isn't it so rewarding when you receive a gift from someone that is a reflection of the fact that they saw your need? or they just know you so well, you know? One of the sweetest gifts I've ever received is this very small pin that's um, that I put on a bag of mine. And it's a sailboat with a star on top. And I love all things nautical, probably because I grew up in a landlocked state, in the most landlocked state where you could possibly live. Uh-huh. So anything that's associated with the ocean, I'm like, Wow, it's so amazing. So my, I love Our Lady Star of the Sea. Like she's my favorite. Uh, I love sailboats, you know, anything nautical. And I received this pin and it's just a sailboat with a star on top. And son of a gun, I'm just so grateful for that thing because when I received it, I was like, this is a gift for me. You know, and I, uh, my, I felt like my heart had been seen, you know, and the gift was a reflection of that relationship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And isn't, isn't that the best ever feeling? You love a gift that you receive because somebody else saw you and knows who you are. That's what makes it meaningful. So you mentioned love languages earlier. Yeah. Gift giving and gift receiving are not my love languages at all. So yeah, interesting, right? I like gifts I buy myself, Mm -hmm. but like, if you were to ask me, like, if I would be offended, if you didn't get me anything for my birthday, nope, it probably wouldn't even occur to me that you didn't get anything for me for my birthday. Right on. Okay. If you, if you didn't acknowledge my birthday, then I might be a little like, well, how come, how come I didn't even get a happy birthday? That would actually hurt my feelings. 
but not getting a gift or not being asked what I wanted wouldn't bother me a bit. In fact, so right are you now, a words of affirmation girl? Definitely. Yeah. I think that's why those notes from my high school friend meant so much to me. Yeah. Anything in writing is really hard for me to part with. Yeah. Oh gosh. Cause it's so personal. Yes. Yes. Like even somebody's signature, if it's just somebody's signature inside of a card, I'm like, they wrote their name to me. <laughs> so I've had to go through that too. Like cards, <laughs> piles and piles and piles of cards. And okay. So that's funny because one of my clients also loves cards and I, even now I hate cards. I don't want a birthday card and I don't want to buy you one either. I love you a lot, but you know what? This me a birthday card. card, it might be cute, but it costs $7 and 50 cents. And what are you going to do with it? You're going to be like, huh? Happy birthday. Love Katie. Thanks so much. Trash. What? what okay you know what how about instead i take you out for coffee and i buy you a seven dollar fifty cent coffee yeah plus a scone because i love and you. tell me how great i am <laughs> <laughs> no i totally understand that it, and it is just so again it's all back to people right it's always back to people it's always back to love and knowing who you're with but but back to our our like conversation with kids, like it's almost, imp- I no, I don't want to be hyperbolic. It's more, much more challenging to know the people you even share a home with when you have so many things to manage. And I mm. say that from the depths of my soul, because I have found myself in that position a lot. Yeah. I got so many clothes I got to manage and then I got to put them away and, and wash them and all the things and the season switch outs. And and my hobbies and my, you know, all this thing. And, and everybody else feels it too, where it's just like, I don't have to, I don't have time to sit down and do the things with you. Cause I have so many things to manage and so many things going on. And, and I've allowed you, my child to have so many things that mm-hmm. like, you know, your stuff is starting to drive me crazy. Cause I'm tripping over it and yada, 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 that it actually breaks apart the relationship to a point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're doing fine around here, but some days I'm like, I, it is, I I honestly believe if we had less stuff, it would be way better. So that's what I'm in pursuit of because I'm realizing it's just not worth it. It's that, that quote that I love, like, or no, 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 this was the, this is the quote by, um, uh, Thoreau. The, the cost of a thing is the amount of life in, that you give in exchange for it. Mm. Oh, dang. I love that. I know. That packs a punch. That packs a punch. I used to have that posted around my house and I should probably put it up again because it yeah. is absolutely 100% true. That's the real cost because often people don't want to get rid of stuff or like their kids toys or whatever. I spent a hundred bucks on that or I, you know, I, that was mine when I was a kid. Yeah. But what is the real cost? Like what's the real cost? Mm -hmm. And, and then, um, 
Yeah. So we, we need to talk about techniques because I, I also get stuck in like, okay, so we've convinced everybody to like, get rid of things. Let's just say everybody's okay. Getting rid of stuff. Okay. Yep. In, in an ideal world, the Hammond household, we're getting rid of stuff. Yeah. Where I go wrong is this like, well, this, what if I sold it on eBay or these are all in really good condition maybe we could save them for a garage sale or maybe I'll put it on Facebook marketplace yeah. or maybe I'll whatever. Do you want yeah. to that? Yes, I do. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all of those things, all of these methods of getting rid of things, donating, selling, tossing, if it's in horrible condition, whatever, whatever options there are for us in purging, those are good. Those are great. It's nice. But depending on where you are in ridding your life of excess and in pursuit of simplicity, there are methods of getting rid of things that are going to be better at certain times than others. So when I'm just now starting on just pursuing simplicity and I'm looking at my whole house, which is going to feel like a mountain. And I'm looking at my kids who don't understand how to pursue simplicity. And I'm looking at my spouse and maybe I'm on fire, but he's not on fire. I'm at the very beginning of all of this. That is not the time to add selling things on eBay and Facebook marketplace or wherever. That's not the time to add selling to your plate. You are in the toss it or give it away stage. Mm. And that is so good and helpful. I'm actually working with clients right now. And the mom, she's like, well, these are, she said exactly what you said. These are in great condition. Should I just take these to a consignment store? And I said, that's a good idea. Do you have time? Do you have time? And I wasn't asking her ironically, I was asking her quite sincerely, like, if you think you have time truly, then let's do it. But right now I'm looking at a woman who's overwhelmed. Wouldn't it be good to just take this off of your plate? And it's not only taking it off of your plate, but it's also blessing someone else. Right. And I, I mean, I've had the, the very real, like, again, I'm not an expert at this. I'm currently on the journey as I have been for a very long time, it feels like, but I have had the experience where I, I think I got this. Let's just say I paid for, for it for 20 bucks. I got this thing and I'm not using it. It's in real, it's like barely used. I'm going to put it on Facebook marketplace. And then you have to manage the people who are like, is it available? Yes. Is it? And so you're constant, you're checking and people don't realize I had no idea. I, I did this with several things, um, a few months ago. And after a time, my husband was like, honey, you've already spent the money. It's already gone and nobody's going to recoup it for you. And you're spending a lot of time checking messages people ghost you, you know, people say they're going to come get it. So then you message all the other people, you know, it's this whole process and you got to like take certain types of pictures of certain things. So 
it's this whole thing. And he's like, you, you actually, like, if you were getting paid per hour, even at minimum wage, you, you still like it's gone. Like the money's gone mm -hmm. and you're, not, you're just wasting your time. And that's a hard pill to swallow because mm -hmm. then you have to like, think about the front end of things. Like when you're actually shopping, do you actually need the thing? Do you need it? Do yeah. you need it? And it, it's like, usually the answer's no, no. Well, and so to that concept of like, it's not worth your time. I've been in that spot before and I, I have to weigh what resource do I have an abundance of right now? Do I have an abundance of like cash in my account? Or do I have somewhat of an abundance, um, small abundance of time? And if I'm lower on the cash end in my perception and I think, okay, I have the time, then maybe I'll pursue selling yeah. and and do with it what I will, whatever. Um, but yeah, when you're in the beginning stages of simplifying, then like selling is absolutely, I, I would almost say, I'm hesitant to say never, but yeah, never yeah. the thing to do. It's not, it's not because what you want is to see the effects of your work. Mm -hmm. And if what you're doing is gathering stuff you don't want and now moving it over to this room, sorting it, devoting time to it in any amount, truly, then you're not ridding yourself of overwhelm. You're just kind of giving it a new name. Right. And you're whitewashing it. You're making it sound and look fruitful. Can you do this somewhere along the line? A little bit later. Totally do it. There were entire summers that I devoted to looking around the house and being like, all right, well, you know, I don't need this, 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 or this, or this. And making few hundred dollars just mm -hmm. selling stuff on Facebook because I could do it. So there are seasons to it. For but sure. the important thing is to evaluate your time. What resources do you have right now? And what are you going for? If you want to have a solid kickstart to simplifying something that's going to reveal the beautifully open effects of getting rid of your clutter, then just donate, bless somebody else, bless, bless, bless somebody else or toss right. it. Right. So all of those other methods, they have a time and a place. Right. So do that when your plate is a little less covered. Yeah. Definitely. That, that goes with the, the kids clothes too. Uh, kids clothes, kids items. Cause a lot of us have those in babes, especially yeah. if we have many children. I don't know if I have seen, and this is just off the top. So if I'm wrong, then I'll have to come back and make an official apology. But I don't know that I've seen a child, even within my own home, who has what I would call a moderate amount of possessions. Yeah. No. Like I would I would love to see that kid. Who are you, kid? Are you an American? Oh, it's love. Can I shake your hand, child? Where are your parents? Yeah. Yeah. It, how do they do it? <laughs> yeah, great. So when you're beginning, donate. Um, I'd also like to touch on the practicals of getting rid of your kids' stuff with your kids. Let's cover how to purge the 
the excess that your kids have, how to do that with your kids. A lot of us like to like have the kids be distracted. They're doing something over here. I'm going to go in with my bag. They won't even notice. And it, we, we do it surreptitiously. And sometimes that flies, right? Right. I think it's more fruitful, though more challenging, if you're working with your children one-on-one mm-hmm. to help them grow this muscle. Yeah. Right? And it, it does, it takes love and time and patience. And so here is, I've, I came up with these four steps that I have known success with my own children. And I've also done sessions with children and I've done, um, these steps, maybe not in this particular order, but still these things. Okay. So when you're, you can't, we can't as parents just tell our kids to go rid their their rooms, their toy boxes, whatever. Like, Hey, go, go fill that bag. I've totally done that. I did yeah. that just the other day. It didn't go well. Doesn't, doesn't go well. doesn't go well because then as a kid, you walk into your room with an empty bag that you're supposed to fill full of your precious items. Right. And you're like, <laughs> and it's, you're under the gun, man. Mom said, to do totally. it. it's almost like you're a robber. You're like, put it all in the bag. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know why? Because everything in here is important to me. It's all mine. And everything in here is a representation of who I am. Like, what are you asking me to do? So when I first started going through stuff with my kids, I told them two things that were so helpful to all of us. And that was, I'm never going to ask you to get rid of your favorite whatever. If you love it, if you are having fun with it, if it's your favorite, great. But what we are going to do is make space for your favorite X, Y, Z. So I told them that we keep your favorites. That which is beloved to you is beloved to me. It stays. Wow. I love that line. Oh, thank you. And which goes into the number two thing I told them was I'm on your side. Hmm. I'm not in here as a, a force against you trying to make you get rid of stuff. I am working with you. I'm teaching you. I'm showing you. So many of us parents go into that situation with our kids and you're like, we're at odds, you and me, because I have understanding you don't, but I just need you to do the dang thing without understanding it, do it. I'm in every area of my life. And I find even as an adult, when people expect things of me and I'm like, well, but I don't, you need to explain that to me a little more than just, you know, and yet we expect like four and five and six year olds to go in and clean a room or get rid of stuff. And they have no concept of what that could even begin to mean. Right. Right. They're just hearing what you said. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to put all my stuff in the bag. What stuff, you know, like they have so many questions and we're just like, where do I start? Oh, the Dixie cup, put the Dixie cup art. And they're just like, but that's so precious to me. So that's why I love that line that you said. 
like whatever you love, I love, or whatever, whatever's beloved to you is beloved to me. Yeah. I mean, you will go so much farther with your children. You'll make so much more progress if they understand that they're in a safe place with you, that you are not actually a threat to who they are and what's important to them. So my step number one is to stay with them while they're purging. You can't just tell them, go get rid of it. Go get rid of some stuff. You have to do it with them. You have to stay and be a presence. Step number two is to be the guide, All right. So if, if any of you are familiar with the hero's journey, mm -hmm. then you know that there, there's a guide in a very classic, typical story. There is an Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? There's a Gandalf. There's somebody who has the knowledge and the wisdom and is there to impart that on the hero. Mm -hmm. You are the guide. The kid is the hero. So we're there to guide them in how to regard their own material possessions. Yeah. And the way to do that is tenderly and with love. Yes. Because it, I mean, I mentioned this client of mine who loves cards and how I don't, and he's an adult and I'm an adult, so we can make light of that. Right. And, but with kids, you just can't like, this is important to them. Okay. All right. So without any irony at all, you guide them through, okay, well, this birthday card from the first birthday that you don't remember is, <laughs> so let's, let's talk about that or let's talk about this piece of paper, or let's talk about this broken toy, whatever. And you're there to instruct them lovingly as to how to regard their things. Uh, step two, step one, stay while they purge. Step two, be the guide. Step three is far more practical. It is put a time constraint on this effort. Yeah, this is where- Maybe I... that should be step one. <laughs> put a yeah. time constraint on this. Yeah, maybe they're not in like a, a an order necessarily. It's just the four steps that that you need to. It's like in a circle, so like you can yeah start, but they all work together at the same time. So, so putting a time constraint on this is going to be paramount for everyone's sanity because getting rid of things when you're a kid can be an emotional process. Not really with my daughter, Jane, who doesn't give two shakes about really anything that she owns. <laughs> um, and she's like, yeah, we can get rid of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes, you know, you'll find that kid in families, but for a lot of children, they are very, very attached. So we can ask them to do only so much. So set a timer, 15, 20 minutes, definitely no more than like 23 minutes. Yeah. I think if you're eking into 25, 30 region, that's going to be too much. Is there, and, an, is there an age limit though? Like, like, of course, with little, little kids, that makes sense. But what about like preteens, like 10 to 12 year old or 12 to 16 year olds? Is, does that, do these rules all apply to any age range as long as they're in your home and they're your kid? Or do you just know kid? I would say that for the most part, these things apply to children in general, regardless of age. I think what is more important to consider over age is 
what their understanding is of material possessions. Like right. if I have a 15 year old, 16 year old, and I'm like, okay, go fill that bag with donations. And this is the first time that we've ever talked about simplicity or like, what, what are we doing here? Then they're going to need more guidance than say someone who's a, like a 13 year old, who's a little more of a veteran in terms of donating. Okay. So it really, it depends yeah. on the child's understanding. Okay. Um, how much you talk to them about these things, how you explain it, all of that will need to be adapted to age, right? Uh, but um, I would say for the most part, these four things apply to children in general. So putting that time constraint on it, even if you go and you tell your 17 year old daughter here, you know the drill, you know how to do this, go ahead and clear your room of clutter. Even tell her like, cap it at 23 minutes and then be done, be done for today. Is that a general rule that you follow with your clients, even that are adults, especially if it's like the first time that they've done it? Or do you just meet with people for like 25 minutes and then you're like, okay, see ya. No, I meet with my clients for three hours. Yeah. Fine, but even as adults, how do you find, cause like I spoke earlier about like my four-year-old self comes out sometimes with certain items even if i haven't thought about it for three decades do you find that with your clients where they're like they come across things and they're like 13 year old self comes oh that's my trophy from you know the baseball tournament where i hit the home the winning home run or whatever yeah. how do you handle that over the course of three hours without them getting emotionally exhausted or do you even right. start with that stuff you know, or like, do you start with like the bathroom towels? Those are two different. Oh, right. I know. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me do this last bullet point number four, and sure. then I'll speak to all that. Cause that's, sure. that's a really, really good question. So, um, the putting a time constraint on it is paramount. And then once you've hit that timer, once that 23 minute timer goes off, then you love on them. Oh. So whatever it is, like some of us know our, our children's love language uh, or love languages. So if it's like gift giving, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, am I missing one? I don't know. I lost track of counting while I was singing. <laughs> whatever your kid's love language is. Oh, acts of service. Acts of service. Boom. Not a lot of kids have the acts of service button yet. That comes with age. Yeah, yeah, but especially like if your kid's a, a words of affirmation person, you'd be like, oh my gosh, this is hard. You're doing a killer job. Like this is amazing. Look at you go and loving on them while they're doing it. And then when they're done doing the same thing, yeah. you're reinforcing, you're connecting with them in a way that they receive and understand and appreciate yes. that will send them to the moon because you don't want this to be a painstaking process. And then nobody ever said it had to be. So many of us have just been approaching it in a way that is callous and frustrating and void of real understanding. Mm -hmm. So if we make the point to stay with our children while they're purging, mm -hmm. unless they're mature enough to understand, okay, I know what to do. If we stay with them, if we, offer ourselves as a guide of how to regard our material possessions 
and then offering that time constraint so nobody gets exhausted. Right. And then you're offering them number four, that reward during and after, then you are going to form yourself some, some lifelong purgers who know how to put things in priority. Well, and they might not even remember it. Like they might not even remember as adults, like this was the time when my mom started having us purge because it'll be so gentle that it it will just be like, that's Thanks. just, you know, it just started to happen. And I think that must have happened in my life because like we've got, we, my mom got rid of a ton of stuff and I don't remember ever it being this big emotional upheaval, which is I think why for a long, long time, I was able to just get rid of stuff and it wasn't bothersome to me. And mm -hmm. then, you know, we can talk about how it happens later in life where you start to be like, that's mine and I need to keep it. But yeah, I think those are all really great steps for children that I probably need to type out and print out quite honestly, because, um, well, and I personally lately have just decided I'm not really even besides like trash, trash. I'm not going to even like begin with the kids' rooms or their toys. Like I'm going to, I'm going to work on my stuff first yeah. and they can see me do it and they'll see all the stuff that I'm getting rid of. And, you know, hopefully if I don't make, if I do it well, they'll just kind of see like, it's okay. It's okay. Mom's Oh, it's it. contagious. It totally is. And it's great. Yeah. Cause I think they'll see, um, I think they'll see my freedom and my joy of having probably more time. Mm -hmm. And then I can then verbalize to them. Well, this is because I got rid of a lot of things that I didn't need, you know, and just kind of fill their brains, be like the propaganda mama propaganda, like just, you know, constant yeah. rip of like, it's because I got rid of that thing that I didn't need. I think that's more of my approach that I need to take with my kids because I yeah. have, I do get really overwhelmed, especially when things like everybody has stressful days. And I think that's for me when I realize how much stuff is in our house is when I have really stressful days and I'm like, I can't even find my car keys. Like what's going on? And mm -hmm. I would say I'm a fairly organized person. <laughs> Emphasis on fairly, but like, you know, I, I just tend to know where my stuff is, but when my brain is stressed for whatever reason, whether some kid's been crying all day for whatever reason, or, you know, maybe it's gloomy out and everybody's stuck inside and has cabin fever or whatever. That's, those are the days where I'm just like, man, we still have a lot of stuff in the house. Mm -hmm. And then I get overwhelmed and I'm tempted, so tempted to just dole out garbage bags and just, yeah. Fill them up. Strike a match. Watch it burn. Strike a match. Everybody right. out. We're setting it aflame. Yeah, right. Done. Yeah. Okay, so, so let me answer your questions about uh, my clients and what happens when I encounter, when I see an adult going through things, turn into that teenager, the four-year-old, or the college student, whatever, because that has happened. So much of this process is psychological. Mm -hmm. And if my clients are going to be successful, they have to be received. And I'm so grateful. I mean, to be completely vulnerable, I have seen my fair share of therapists 
it's been great. And having gone through so much of my own mental health right. and learning about my own understanding of material things, my understanding of my identity, obstacles, difficulties that I've encountered within myself, that has given me such a capacity for understanding other people and how our understanding, how our minds are formed mm -hmm. in our childhoods or even in young adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so in my sessions, we'll, whenever I, I work with someone, I'm like, all right, well, show me the space that we're going to work on. And sometimes it's a whole home. Sometimes it's just one room or one section of a house I'm like tell me what you love about it tell me what you hate about it and then the objective is to get that space back to what they love about it mm -hmm. and we go over here here are our goals either long term or for this particular session we get to work and then at the end of our appointment, there's always a sometimes quite lengthy debrief session where I listen to them process what they just did because they were getting through things. Or if I'm working with a married couple, I can point out, do you see how you process things differently than she processes things? Do you see how you can just cut things out? Well, maybe she needs to go through them. And, um, and it's, it's really marvelous to witness people begin to understand each other and then understand themselves. So when I encounter the resurrected 13 year old, four year old young adult, I can recognize it. And then we just talk it out right there. Like, okay, sometimes I will know right away this is something that the person absolutely needs to part with. But you have to wait. You can't force a hand open. And I will ask them questions. So what, what is this? Where did you get it? What, what's meaningful about it? Who gave it to you? Oh, that's so cool. And you just validate, you like listen to the person and validate and maybe, I mean, it might sound canned as I'm talking about it, but dang in the moment, listening to my client, connecting with my client and seeing his or her heart right there is the most beautiful part of my work. It's my very favorite part because I'm seeing what they value. Yeah, have you ever had it happen where maybe you come across something and they haven't seen it for decades because maybe it's been up in the attic in a box or something and they haven't seen it in forever and they maybe just immediately start to cry or just you can tell by the look on their face that that, that it, there's a big story or some event that happened around that thing. Do you go there with people? Do you talk about that with them and help them process it? Or are you just kind of like, I can see this it's a very tender place inside of you. We're just going to set this aside for now. We're not even going to like, what do you do in that situation? I, uh, I go there 
I, I love those. I lo I've that has happened. I can think of two instances off the top where someone has come across something that was dormant, so to speak, you know, encountered something within themselves because this physical item was a cue for an experience or a time period or a way that they used to live. People are very nostalgic and that's good. It's fine. It's how we're, we're wired, some of us, right? So I will, if they, when they have teared up, I'm like, okay, well, and I, sometimes I've had to wait a minute and I just sit and rub a back or hold a shoulder or something like that. And, um, say, what is this? Tell me what this is. And I listen to the story behind it. Cause I know that for me, the things that are nostalgic, that they're old, that I've kept quite intentionally, those things that would stir tears, there's a story there. There's an experience there. And so to be an ear for my client who's encountering this is, it's a privilege. And it's in those moments that I say, okay, well then what's it doing up here? Where are we going to put this now? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not at all something that I'm like, well, it made you all teary eyed, but you really haven't seen it in like 35 years. So let's get rid of it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't dare. If this is stirring something up for a person, then I'm like, all right. So where this is, something that deserves a place of honor mm -hmm. so where are we putting it so you can enjoy it because that's why we get rid of the crap that doesn't matter so we can make room for what does but right? what if it's a thing that somebody kept let's just say that stirs up negative emotion like maybe mm -hmm. maybe it's not like happy tears you know, maybe it's something that they packed away in the midst of, I don't know, a breakup of some sort, you know, or, or maybe they packed it away and the relationship was good. It could even be from a parent or a sibling or something and you find it. But in the meantime, since that thing was packed away, the relationship has dissolved into just like an abysmal place and that's what stirs the tears is it's a memory of when things were good. How, what do you do with that? What would you, there's a habanero pepper fire hose question. I mean, yeah, because I mean, I've, I have those kind of objects, not anymore. Mm -hmm. I've learned how to deal with them. Bonfires. Um, <laughs> had my share of bonfires. That seems to be a way. I know I talk about fire a lot and burning things on the podcast. She's <laughs> a melancholic people, bear with her. Uh, okay. You know, to see it go up in smoke, there's something prayerful about that for me. But but like, <laughs> you know, you're not gonna have bonfires with your people. So um I know I mean, that, not yet. Yeah, not yet. Maybe you need to have a bonfire. I'll do it. It's fun. Let's do it. Um so just to lighten things, my two um measures or the two means of getting rid of things. Uh, that I advise people to do. I'm like, either have a bonfire or get a puppy. Oh. They'll be tossing stuff right and left. And I get just yourself a puppy. 
I will tell anyone to That's get That's another puppy. podcast for me. Don't get a we'll puppy. Get you a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> we will chew up everything that you have decided to neglect. And then you'll talk. it. I actually, I mean, there's something to that. Maybe you don't have to get a puppy, but I sure celebrate now when things just kind of happen to break. Like, yeah, I'm kind of, and I used to like take it and go, well, I can fix that. I can sew that back together. We own E6000. We can glue it. We can, whatever. We'll fix it somehow. I don't do that anymore now, unless it's a very, very special item. Like my, my daughter just had a doll that I made her. And the neck is totally like the stuffing's coming out the neck. I'm not just going to be like, yes, I'm glad that broke that I'm actually going to fix. But there are other things where I'm like, it's just a thing. It's okay. You know, and and my kids are kind of cool with that. So I'm always a little happy when things break because then it's broken, you know? I've experienced that too. It's kind of, you know, it's like the, the small scale version of being happy your house burned down. You're like, oh, look at this. This broke. Yay. It's fine. But let's, we'll talk about your question about like, what if you encounter something that cues up negative emotions? Yeah. Um, I don't ever make my clients get rid of things. Mm-hmm. When I'm in a session, when I, when I take on a client, all of the choices are entirely theirs. Mm-hmm. I, I am the guide. And because if I make the decisions for them, then nothing sticks. Yeah. Right. But if they are the ones doing the processing, then then it does. There's a, a significant success rate. Right. So when I encounter anything that has a, a that stirs up some sort of big emotion or several big emotions, we do not seek to get rid of that thing right then unless it's my client's idea I don't say well well son of a gun well that relationship isn't anymore so you know just throw it out who cares good riddance you know it's because then I would be imposing myself mm-hmm. right and the whole process has to be loving and receptive and gentle even to yourself I think yeah. If so if you're the one going through that and you come across your own thing and you're like, oh my gosh, I had this wonderful friendship with a person, relationship with um, a significant other, relationship with a parent or sibling, and this is poignant, even painful to come across this item. Okay. Well, then let's put the thing down and work on this response. What, what, what just happened here? Why are you having this response? Mm -hmm. What is it that you need to go through? Granted, there are some times when I am working with a client and I realize this is bigger than something I can handle in session right now. And there are people, specialists, much smarter than me when it comes to mental health. Yeah. So I have advised several of my clients to seek therapy or if my clients already have a therapist, I'm like, okay, well, let's make a list of things for your next session with your therapist. Right. So we can make sure that you get this, this, and this covered because 
what you and I are doing here in your space is good and is going to be fruitful in conjunction with your therapy. Mm-hmm. But here are the things that I'm seeing surface while we're working. So I'm really grateful for the mental health practices or pursuits that I've had over my adulthood because it has broadened my understanding and I can more easily spot the the troubles that people encounter when they're parting with things that are so significant or point to significant relationships. When I, when we're having this conversation, there's two things that kind of come up for me is that one, on the one hand, you and I can both say, even though we currently have very different interactions with things on on the general, but we both at the end of the day know like, it's just stuff. It's just stuff, you know? But then on the other hand, we also very much acknowledge that that just stuff can be uh, just heavy laden with emotion and memory and that that some of it is it is all just stuff, but it's not some of it's not just stuff. Some right. of it's like life events, and that's what makes it hard to get through and that there's really nothing shameful in that it's just that you have to work through the process of like yeah like you said what is stirring this up and people um generally you know especially the really really painful stuff don't want to because it's just too painful it's easier to put the thing back in the box and not think about it than it is to call all the phone numbers and try to figure out where to go for help or yeah you know because there's something about the tangible world we have to interact with the tangible world that if you were to throw that thing away it does very much feel like well that's just the end of that i guess that Mm -hmm. truly signifies that that's over and Mm -hmm. and done or that person is gone and, um, and that can be really painful for mm-hmm. people. So, and I think I would guess a lot of people feel at once, like I have a right to hold on to this thing and also maybe extremely embarrassed. Like what I have felt that like, what's wrong with me that I can't get rid of this thing, you mm-hmm. know? Like one thing I have that I don't, I don't know if I'll ever get rid of it. My grandfather, who I was very close with, um, died when I was, died suddenly. I know that sounds strange because he was advanced in age, but died suddenly in my world. But he loved hard candy. And just like the year before he died, he gave me this hard candy in a wrapper. And I just remember, I don't know why I remember that moment, but he gave me this hard candy and I didn't eat it. I kept it and I put it in my jewelry box and I still have it. And then he died the next year and I have some other things from him, but for some reason that hard candy is like, like, I'm like, that's my grandpa, you know? And, but like, and I don't come across it very often, but when I see it, I'm like, it just represents so much of what I remember about my grandpa. Um, so I don't think, yeah, I don't think it's silly at all, but yeah, there, but I do recognize like there's still something there. And I think that yeah. 
like this is going to a deeper place, obviously, but like um, that grief has no timeline. Mm. And so if you're dealing with stuff that has grief wrapped around it in whatever dimension, whether it's death or divorce or breakup, or maybe a move you didn't want to make or something like that, that it's okay to have, to have that timeline. It doesn't have to immediately leave your home. You can, you can work through it. And because everyone's approach to simplicity is going to be unique to his or her own pursuits and charisms, your own life, right? No one's going to make you get rid of anything. Right. And you, we don't have to put pressure on ourselves to get rid of something. Like, why, gosh, why can't I let go of this thing? Well, stop, stop asking yourself that. Like, just keep it, enjoy it. Let yourself enjoy it. You don't have to say, well, yeah, gosh, you know, I still, yeah, I still have that. Like, yeah, I still have that because it's really important to me mm-hmm. and it's great. And I love it. And there's no shame at all in keeping what is important. Yeah. I think it's good. We're body and soul. I said this in episode one, we're body and soul. We're going to be inclined to the physical. We're going to be inclined to the spiritual and both are good. And it's natural for us to live this way. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's so neat. Your grandfather loved hard candy. My grandmother always had um, those like cheap, so cheap butterscotch. They were in the wrapper. And when you sucked them for a long time, they got pointy, maybe cut your tongue a little bit, you know, you know those. And I I will always remember her for for those and lucky charms because grandma always had lucky charms for us. But um. It's, it's that stuff. That's fine. That's good. And it, it's the things that stir up the very good and deep positive emotions that I'm like, okay, well, let's pave the way in your space for this thing. And if this has a negative association with it, then all right, well, let's, let's put that down. Like I said before, and let's work through that. If I'm working with a client, sometimes I can work through it with them right there in session or if it's like too big for me to handle then I'll you know refer them to their therapist of course but um or a spiritual director really and it this just like grief has no timeline pursuing a simple life this too does not have a timeline so much of the pressure that we might feel is self-imposed mm-hmm. and unnecessary. Yeah, I, I feel that right now, especially with Christmas. And and a lot of it for me is looking around and going, how many years and days have I wasted or missed because I was shuffling clothes or shuffling boxes? And so there's a, there's a big part of me that really wants to mm, just get it over with. Yeah. And that actually stresses me out where I'm actually not able to get it over with. So, um, so yeah, I've had to be patient with myself through this. That's what I'm learning. You know, like I didn't ask for patience, so that's not, that it's not God like here, well, I'm going to have you declutter your home and that will give you loads of patience. 
it is just learning to be gentle with the whole process and gentle with my kids and remembering that we're body and soul. It it's, there may be some things I have to work through and I just need to be gentle with everyone, especially myself. Cause really at the end of the day, if you're getting rid of stuff to spend time with people, but in the midst of getting rid of stuff, you ruin the relationship because you're just being uh, insufferable about it, then yeah. it's all for naught. And so. That's where those time constraints come in. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's not even with our kids that the, the time constraints are handy. It's for ourselves too. If you need to purge your space. Okay. 23 minutes. Magic yeah. number. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm going to go forward from here and just take that quote of like, thank God for all the things I don't own, mm-hmm. you know, just thank God. And even if I currently own it and I'm putting it in a, ba- a bag or a box to get rid of, thank God I'm not going to have to own this anymore because it's been heavy in my life and I don't yeah. want, it's not me anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Be aware of the self-imposed identities or guilt or whatever. Yeah. Just no, not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. So do you have a song for us? Well, a simplicity song. Is it a what? A simplicity song. I mentioned bare necessities last time. So that, yeah, I do have a song. So the song I have is called five of everything. Um, and it's by a nineties band, you know, they were real popular in the nineties. If you're familiar with 311 from Um, Omaha, Omaha, what's up Omaha. Okay. So this song, um, my husband's a huge 311 fan. I don't know if he'd want me to announce that. Maybe, maybe (laughs) no shame. No shame. I like you too. If we're just being real honest. (laughs) Okay. So, um, this song, the first time I heard it, it's got a really catchy tune, but then I really like leaned in and I've heard that I heard the song for the first time, probably six years ago or so. Yeah. And I won't read you the whole thing, but the whole thing is really good. So if you want to look up the lyrics to five of everything by 311, put this up, there's language warning. We can like put that. Okay. So this was the line. These were the lines that I was really like, whoa. Okay. Step off, head out, take flight, and just run. Got five of everything, but I just need one. My brain telling me what I want, I need. Got five of everything, but I still proceed. Living in this culture can be a drag. It's just a commercial, what we have. A one-track mind, we grab, grab, grab. We're past being crazy, call us mad. Gone is the golden egg and the goose, and the mm -mm of all mm breaking loose. We got to hit the boost, sip on the thick juice, disregard the bad cards, wake the truth. And then, but it's all about like, I've got too much of everything and I don't need any of it. And I, I just, and I'm medicating myself because I have so much like self-medicating with alcohol or TV or whatever, because my life is madness. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I love that this came from 311 even. Yeah, I know, right? That's great. I another story. I don't know if they are like, uh, we're minimalists now. I have no idea. But but I do know that like on this album, there was more songs about like family. 
you know, in 311 style, but yeah. So, I mean, they're all older. They're like my age, you know, maybe they're just kind of realizing like, it's just all so much. I've actually heard of that with a lot of, um, musical artists that they either go completely off the rails or they're like, I can't be a part of this band anymore. I just need to seek some, some solace. Like, I think it was a member of uh, the band REM. They, yeah. you know, they were huge. They were and then, huge. Yeah, I think got, I think it was brain cancer and beat it. And then he was like, you know what? I just need to be done. And now he's, don't quote me on this, but he's like, an alfalfa farmer in like Montana or something like he was just like I need yes. way out I just need like my log cabin and of course he had the funds to do it but like you said I mean when you have a wake-up call um such as like Courtney Carver and soulful simplicity I mean she wasn't a millionaire by any stretch but she had a wake-up call a health scare that was real it, w- it wasn't just a scare it was a real thing that happened to her Mm-hmm. And then she was like, I don't have, I don't have time to manage all this stuff because my life is going to get difficult. And it just immediately put the priorities in order. And in her book, she talks about, here's some wake up calls that aren't super scary. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you have any of that. these in your life, let these be your wake up call. Don't yeah. like the 311 line, like, and we just still proceed. We have it all, but we just still proceed. You don't have to still proceed. You can just stop. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for hanging out with us. It's so fun. And it it is. It is. And thank you so much. Like we're now on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, and we're on Podbean as well as YouTube. So Whatever way you listen, if there's a way you listen and we haven't listed it, then let us know and be glad to post the show on there too. And we're grateful for your time and support. I'm just hanging out. This has been great. So we'll see you next time for episode four. Woo-hoo! Yes, we're, we're proceeding with this. We, we are. Like you said. <laughs> They're here for more. We're here for less. They're here for less. <laughs> All right, Katie. Thanks a bunch. This was great. So good. Thanks, Aaron.